Good evening and welcome to Mets 360 here on CAST. I'm your host, Brian Jura, and I'm joined by Matt Netter. And, and before we bring that on, I'd be amiss if I didn't say on the Legend Sports Network we're syndicated now too. So we're very excited about that. Matt, welcome to the uh, Winter Meetings episode of the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Very exciting. Nonstop stuff going on right now. Nonstop stuff and it's all bad. Or at least that's my take. Anyway, JT Realmuto, as of five minutes ago, he had not been traded. Um, do you think he winds up on the Mets, or do you think he's on some other team when all is said and done? I really hope he doesn't, And but everything I keep reading, I'm just reading Ken Rosenthal's latest tweet, it seems like Van Wagen, Van Wagenen really has his heart set on him for whatever reason. I don't understand that, and I don't understand the asking price, as I've said on... Mets 360 a number of times. This is not Johnny Bench. He's a very good catcher. I'll give him that. He'd be a big upgrade. Of course, we'd like to have him. But the asking price is just insane. I'm not for it at all. I don't see a big enough difference between him and, say, Yasmani Grandal to make it worth parting with upwards of, you know, two everyday players for us and opening up more holes. The word that uh, I saw being used was exorbitant. And uh, it's kind of hard to argue with that. And and certainly I don't blame Derek Jeter and the Marlins. You have something that uh, six or eight different teams are interested in, you ask for the moon. Because who knows, some idiot might out there might give it to you. I mean, before the, the offseason started, who thought Robinson Cano had any trade value? <laughs> so, you know, you, you ask and sometimes somebody says yes. He's got a good marketing machine behind him, though. Somebody seized on the fact that, yes... At this very moment, you could make the argument that he's the best catcher in baseball. Was that the case even a year ago? And will it be the case two years from now? Definitely not. But, you know, the fact is Yadier Molina, Buster Posey, and a couple of other top catchers, Russell Martin, are all getting a little long in the tooth. And some of the younger guys really haven't proven themselves enough. And he just happens to be, you know, the top catcher at the moment. But that doesn't mean he's, you know, Johnny Bench, like I said. All right, well, let's talk about a a couple of different relievers. Uh, First, let's start off with Andrew Miller, who, of course, had so much success with uh, Mickey Calloway in Cleveland. Do you have any concerns about Andrew Miller, either because of age or the injuries that he suffered last year? Um, He did get banged up a lot last year, and it was more than one injury. So that does concern me, because he was used a lot, multiple innings, high-pressure situations, playoffs... Um, over the past few years so maybe he's got too much mileage but I really like him and to tell you the truth I would be thrilled if the Mets signed him the idea of you know and I know it's a little bit of a crapshoot you don't know for sure that he's going to be healthy but I feel better about him than I do about Britain in terms of durability and track record and the idea of having Miller and Diaz at the back of our pen just gets me super excited that would be like the best bullpen we've had in a very long time if not possibly ever you know, certainly if, if we got 2016, 2017 era Andrew Miller, that would be a wonderful thing. But um, we, we can't pretend that last year didn't exist. Was that just a speed bump? Uh, I, I don't know. But um, I, I'd certainly want to factor that into the offer that uh, the club gives him. Have you heard any details about uh, what type of contract it might take to, to land Miller? No, but the one thing I read today on Twitter was that he has all of his offers in front of him. Like, apparently that's the way his agent works. He got the max of what every interested team is willing to offer, and he's just weighing it now. 
So I think the Mets have as good a shot as anybody, and the connection to Callaway's got to help his cause. Now, another reliever that's been uh, linked to the Mets is uh, Adam Adovino, and he's been in the news here recently for something completely non-related to his uh, free agency. And I'm not sure how, but somehow the discussion got on to Babe Ruth. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Adovino said he would strike Babe Ruth out every time. What do you think about that, and should it impact the, th the decision to potentially sign him? I think it's a great quote, and I think it was taken a little bit out of context. I think what he meant by it is that watching, you know, black and white video so many years later, you can kind of see the vulnerabilities and the whatever holes in Ruth's swings and, and Adovino's style of going north-south and how high he throws he could get him to chase the high fastball. I guess, but it's, it's taken out of context. He had a great year. But he's not a guy that's been consistently great every year, and he makes me worry that he's this year's Anthony Swarzak, and I'd be very hesitant to give him a long-term contract. He doesn't have a lot of closing experience. He doesn't have a long track record of dominance. He's one of, He doesn't excite me as much as some of the other options. I'd much rather get Miller or Robertson or even a few of the other guys that are out there. Yeah, I think I have to uh, agree with that. So I'm going to spend uh, more time talking about the quote. And, you know, pretty much in any other sport, this would not be um, uh, anything that we would even think about debating. Like if uh, whoever the, the, the big center is in, in the NBA, if he talked about going one-on-one -on -one against George Mikan, uh, do you think anybody would react like, oh, my God, how would you talk about George Mikan that way? Or, you know, if uh, the, the, when I was a kid, Larry Zonka was the, the big running back and he'd just run over people. And y you watch videos of him today and he's like about 208 pounds. And yeah. the idea that he'd run over anybody in the NBA today is laughable. Nah. So, so but, you know, but how you know do what, we get, well, how do we get from that to, to what goes on here with, with Adovino? It's, I think it was just pulled out of context. I don't think this was like LeVar Ball saying he can beat Michael Jordan in one-on-one. -on -one. I don't think this was like this boisterous, braggy statement. I really think it was just taken a little bit out of context, but it, it's fun fodder for the offseason. Um, not quite as much fun or as aggravating, as I should say, as Harold Baines making the Hall of Fame. That one really got me twisted. You know, I hung on to the Hall of Fame for a long time. You know, believing in it when when other people were saying that it was silly, but when when they refused to uh, address the ballot problem that they had a couple of years ago, uh, in any meaningful way, it actually the their uh, in quote solution was worse than the problem. Uh, I gave up on it, and I can honestly say I don't care. Harold Baines, rock on. Jack Morris, nah, little, sure. When I read when I read don't further care. into it, what I saw was. The little subcommittee they put together for this vote um, contained three people that had close connections to him in his career. So it was yeah, more I'd of a personal four. thing. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure he was a great guy. I know he had longevity. I know he was a very good player. But at no point in his career did anybody say Harold Baines is one of the three or four best players in baseball. Never. He never won an MVP. He never broke a record. It just it just doesn't add up to me. He was never a dominant player he was never a feared player so would you couldn't you use those same uh cases for for lee smith 
Did, did anyone no. ever say Lee Smith is the most dominant reliever in the game? The most yes. feared? As yes. soon as Lee Smith walks in, the game's over? Yes. Uh, there, was a, there was a stretch when Lee Smith... Was... I think if you look back and on his statistics, you can make a retroactive case for that, maybe. But during briefly, the time that he was he, active, during was the briefly, time that he was active, nobody was saying that. Nobody. No, I, rem- I recall that. When he was with the Cubs, I recall that. There was a period when he was the best closure in baseball, and there was a period when he was the all-time saves leader before, you know, Mariano and, and uh, what's-his-name from the Padres obliterated right. that. So you can go back and, and look at it retroactively, but if you can find a quote where you, you can see some somebody at the time in, in 1991 or whatever the year was when... Lee Smith was was at his at his zenith that they were talking about him being the most feared. Um, please send it to me. Well, my my favorite Lee Smith moment was when they walked Daryl Strawberry to load the bases and Kevin McReynolds hit the grand slam off him. Sounds like a Hall favorite. of Famer to me. <laughs> All right, well let's get this back to the Mets. Uh, Jeff McNeil, they're talking now about uh, with Cano being on the team that he's going to be the uh, the team super sub, uh, play a little bit here, play a little bit there, and you know we've heard for years how um, that was going to be Wilmer Flores's role on the team, but yeah, they always gave it great lip service in the off season, but it, it seemed to never materialize where he'd play 50 games at this position and 50 games at another position and another 50 at a third. Um, I guess it's hard for me to see McNeil uh, doing what they they couldn't do with Flores. Um, do you, do you think he'll have the the job to 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 win a role outright, like say third base? No, I think it makes good sense because if you look at his, I, I know he had an extraordinary rookie year, especially the second half. Um, if you look at his long term track record, though, he's had his share of injuries. He's not known for his durability. And I think he needs to prove himself in that regard. But I think that it's a great spot for him because he can transition into, if he has a great year as a super sub, then next year he can be the third baseman. It's his to win. But for now, Frazier's probably going to miss some time, either to injury or maybe he has to play some first base. So he'll see plenty of time at third. Cano is not going to play 162 games at second base. We know that. He's, he, you worried they, they about might... him failing a drug test? <laughs> No, but he'll need some days off. He's liable to wind up on the DL. We might DH him in the American League games. gonna. I believe that McNeil will get plenty of at-bats. There's no way that your first, second, and third baseman, are, especially when two of them are over 30, are all going to remain healthy all year. I don't see McNeil playing any shortstop, though. That I don't see. Maybe in a pinch. But what I think the Mets are going to do is they'll keep McNeil and maybe TJ Rivera. And at least in the very beginning of the season... You know, with the clock ticking on uh, Alonzo, they might they might keep Dom Smith, you know, for the first week or two. Um, but I don't think they're going to keep a true backup shortstop on the roster. I think if if Rosario gets injured or something, maybe they bring up like a like a Luis Guillorme or somebody like that. But I don't think he's going to make the roster. I don't think Gavin Cicchini is going to make the roster, even though he's more of a second baseman. I think the Mets are going to, you know, in a pinch. Like if Rosario gets hurt in the middle of a game or something, they would stick like a McNeil over there. But I don't think they're going to keep a true backup shortstop on the roster. So last year they uh, went to a, uh, I don't even know how you would describe it, but they went to scheduled days off, I guess, for Rosario, 
where he would uh, play for a while and then get a couple of days off. So if, if you don't have a backup shortstop on the roster, except for a guy who you only want to play there in a pinch, like for a couple innings if a guy gets hurt, you just going to walk away from that, especially since um, that seemed to certainly help Rosario. He certainly performed much better in the second half of, of the year than he did the first half. Now, you can say that one had nothing to do with the other, but are you confident that the Mets feel that way? I really like what I saw out of Rosario in the second half. He's got some great bat speed. He even showed better discipline on the base paths. His base running seemed to improve. Maybe that's the one thing we can thank Jose Reyes for last year. Maybe he helped them a little bit with that. I don't know. Um, but I thought he made some great strides. He still is a little bit of a, of a bad pitch swinger. He's got to improve in that area, learn how to draw a walk every so often would help. Um, but I like his bat, and I like him, and I think he's got a future. Um, but if there's one player on the Mets that has a shot to play 162 games, it should be him. I see no reason for him to sit. If he's in a slump, let him fight through it. I mean, this is the year for him to really emerge. And let's find out, could he possibly be in that same category as like a Francisco Lindor or a Carlos Correa, one of those guys? I don't, I don't know, but let's find out. All right, well, let's talk uh, about a guy who's always been kind of polarizing, and uh, that's Juan Lagares. And uh, we haven't seen much action uh, here uh, in, in the offseason, but one thing we've seen is we've seen uh, defensive specialists uh, get uh, uh, scooped up. We, we saw the, the Royals uh, uh, grab Billy Hamilton, and then uh, earlier, I think I believe it was the Tigers, uh, picked up uh, Jordy Mercer. So uh, defense being undervalued, maybe, and uh, if, if, if that's the case, uh, do you see uh, Juan Lagares potentially getting traded or potentially being installed as the Mets uh, starter and center fielder and not worry about the outfield? Boy, I sure hope not to that. But his name actually, <laughs> his name actually came up in rumors today um, that the Mets are supposedly shopping him around. The problem is he's got a backloaded contract and he's due to make nine or nine and a half million this year. That's not easy to trade for an injury-prone guy who doesn't bring much of a bat. Um, I, I don't know. I could see him staying with the team either in a platoon or as a fourth outfielder or something like that. But I, I can't imagine... Uh, Brody talked about eliminating the ifs. I think p putting him in as your starting center fielder would be a massive if. I mean, he's certainly got some things going for him. He's got a great glove. He's got the one outfielder we have from the right side who's healthy. Um, but uh, you can't trust it given his injury history and his lack of production at the plate. All right. So and by the, and by the way, on the uh, Hamilton thing, because I know you and I have discussed this before, I think that would have been a smart move for the Royals or anybody else if they got him like at the league minimum or for, say, a million dollars. But for five million plus, I think they're out of their minds. He is not an everyday player. He's a role player. All right, so um, if you gun to your head, you had to pick one to play 150 games for you. Would you pick Hamilton or would you pick Lagares? Uh, generically speaking, I would pick Hamilton, but for the Mets, I would pick Lagares just because we're desperate for the right-handed bat. Too so, many lefties on our team right now. So there was there was no easy clear cut answer for you. No. No. So I I think 
I think Ligaris is a better hitter, but uh, you know that's not saying much. And I think no, they're not. I think they're uh, fairly equal um, defensively, and and obviously uh, Hamilton holds a, a big edge um, in in the ability to swipe bases. Although yeah. you know that doesn't help if you don't actually get on for a space to begin with. I thought early in his career that he could be like a Vince Coleman, but he just he, he doesn't get on base enough. Well, you know, that was a reasonable thing to think in 2013 or 2014. But yeah, exactly. we, we've, had enough, we've had enough evidence here in, in the last few years to know that that's mm-hmm. not the case. But my, my, my point is, if, if you have to hesitate about which one you think is better between the two, um, so um, they're, they're fairly close. Um, uh, Hamilton just signs a, a $5.25 million contract. The the Ligaris is owed nine million this year and has a five hundred thousand dollar buyout for his contract next year. So it's essentially nine and a half million this year. So if the Mets pay four and a half million dollars, they ought to be able to trade him, right? Yeah, that's true. Then BVW, get on the horn. Drop <laughs> this JT Real Muto stuff. Find us, find us a suitor for um, Ligaris. Get him um, off the team. You know, I read your post today, and I wholeheartedly agree. I tremble when I go to when I when I go to launch Twitter. Every time I look at that little blue bird, because I follow every Mets beat writer, I follow every reputable uh, baseball writer, and some of the things that I'm seeing floated out there. Maybe some of it, you know, Van Wagenen's just fishing, and he's just trying to stir up conversation. But you can't trade the whole team, you know. It's it's just the the talk of Syndergaard I don't understand, the real Mudo stuff I don't understand. I'm not on board with half the rumors I've heard, at least. Um, I'm not completely opposed to the idea of adding one of Cleveland's pitchers, as far-flung as that sounds. Um, it reminds me of, like, when the Nationals went out and got Scherzer, even though they already had a good pitching staff. You add to your strength, and you have to look a year ahead. Vargas and Wheeler are both entering their walk year. You know, you have to think of the future. So I don't think that's the worst idea, but I don't like the idea of trading Syndergaard unless somebody really blows our door, doors off. All right, well, you mentioned Jason Vargas. Let's talk about him, uh, you know, signed to be that uh, uh, guaranteed 150 innings in, out of the fifth spot and uh, got injured at the end of spring training last year and, and really took about two-thirds of the season to work himself into shape. But his last half dozen starts or so were the, exactly what the the club uh, envisioned. Yeah. Probably even better than the club envisioned. So, do you, do you see him Vargas? That is making twenty starts for the Mets this year. I think it's possible, but I hope not. Um, my hope is that the Mets can swing a deal with Cleveland or something similar, bring on another reliable starter, and make him your sixth man long reliever. And that way we don't have to worry about shifting Lugo or Gazelman out of the bullpen the minute somebody gets injured or struggles. Um, I don't know if Vargas has any kind of track record out of the bullpen. I haven't done my homework on that. Do you know? Uh, I don't. I think he's been primarily a, a starter, but I would not wager your money on that, much less mine. <laughs> but the one thing that I would like to know is when they were discussing um, the, the deal with the Mariners, if there was ever any thought to put Vargas in that deal instead of Swarzak. Uh, just because of the fact that uh, you know that would have made the uh, a potential deal with Cleveland, like you like you mentioned, uh, more of a possibility. 
Uh, I'm wondering if they feel like eight million is, is too much to uh, to spend on a mop-up guy in the bullpen. That's interesting. I I think the thinking just goes lefty righty. I think you know you always talk about the the loogie thing, but it's not necessarily a loogie. But it would be nice if the Mets had one really good dependable lefty in the bullpen, just to give a different look, not to be used as a loogie. Um, right now, all we have is Zamora. Blevins is probably not going to come back, and he wasn't effective most of last year. I, I think we got to close the book on him as much as I love him as a person and think he's a great teammate and all. Um, it would be nice to see the Mets have somebody, a really good lefty in the pen again. And, you know, maybe they're looking at it and they're like, Vargas as a reliever, that gives us that lefty in the pen, that swing man. You know, Swarzak is really, plays one role. And the Mets have how many righties in the pen right now? You know, some of them probably aren't going to pan out, but it's a whole lot. Swarzak was so good two years ago, and and he was he was not that way last year, obviously. But I'm I'm a tiny bit disappointed that we're not going to get a chance to to see a potential rebound. But uh, say la vie. No, my prediction on him: he's going to pull a JJ puts, <laughs> and he and he's going to be good this year. Uh, well, on that cheery note, uh, let's turn back to the infield. Uh, I think you were talking about Alonzo earlier. Yeah. And um, if if you were running things, if if uh, if your name was Brody, um, would you have him? Uh, in, let's assume he has a monster spring training. Would you have him open the year beyond the opening day roster, or would you keep him down for a few weeks, like seemingly every other organization does, to gain that extra year of control? Even if his defense has improved as much as he says it has, and some of the scouts have agreed with that as well, I would I would pull the Chris Bryant, you know, the move like the Cubs did with Chris Bryant, and just, you know, make up some stupid thing that he needs to work on. He's got to work on his bunting or something, and keep him in the minors until April 20th or whatever that date is for Super 2. It's just silly otherwise. And for two weeks, where there's not even a game every single day, and there'll, there'll be rainouts. What is he going to miss, 10 games? Let Frazier play a little first, or let Dom Smith play a little first. It's not the end of the world. But I, well, I, 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 I imagine, I, I envision him being our regular first baseman next year, maybe with a little bit of platoon help from the left side, but I think he'll be our primary first baseman. What'll be interesting is to see if Dom Smith reports to camp in shape and has a good spring training and makes a case for himself he'll have that chance to be the opening day first baseman, I believe. And maybe they'll continue using him in a platoon or he can be used as a fifth outfielder. He can still carve out a spot for himself on this team. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Uh, Dom Smith certainly is facing a, a make-or-break season with the Mets, at least, uh, this year. And and he showed up to camp last year in, in shape, so I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't do it this year. Uh, but I, I would my advice to him would be to, to, to get there early and uh, make sure that alarm clock uh, has uh, doesn't have a snooze feature and that uh, they, he gets to the park on time so that he doesn't uh, tick off the manager. But getting back to uh, Alonzo, um, if he is the best guy, is that extra year of control worth, you know, not fielding your best team for three weeks or, or however long it may end up being? And, you know, if, if the Mets lose a game, uh, lose out on the wild card by a game, and they went four and, and, and six in those ten games, 
I ain't penny wise, pound foolish. That's the economics of the game. And that's, you know, I, I look at the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Vl- Vlad Jr. is by far the best prospect in baseball, and he is more than ready. He ripped apart AAA like he did not belong there at all. And I kept thinking September call-up, and they wouldn't bring him up, and the fans are clamoring for them. they got no other reason to pay to go to the stadium. You can fill the seats. Aren't you making up some of the differential there? But, but you know, I don't think... Peter Alonso is a big drawing card. You know, someone like you or I might go out to be more apt to go to the ballpark to see him, but not the average fan. But someone like Vlad Jr., that ignites a fan base. Why not bring that guy up? I don't know the specifics of the the, the Vlad case. I remember the the hoopla about it when they they announced that they wouldn't call him up. But it's very possible that it was like what uh, what the Mets faced with Alonso, and that he didn't need to be added to the forty-man roster. So why make that decision any earlier? So that would allow them to keep another player. So maybe the same thing is going on with Guerrero. I don't know, but I I, I do agree with your point to Alonso, and I would further put it on to Guerrero too. I don't I don't think that it was going to move the needle much for attendance. I mean, they might have gotten a few more people, but I don't think that uh, 20,000 people would show up. I mean, the Mets didn't get that many more uh, in the height of Gooden Media. You know, it wasn't like they were averaging 20,000 per start and all of a sudden when Gooden was on the mound they got 40. So, <laughs> if Dwight Gooden in in the prime of his fame wasn't doing that, I I don't imagine that the the number one prospect in baseball would either. I think they were all coming to see Rick Aguilera, wasn't that? <laughs> he was a handsome guy. Yeah, it was a Bruce Berenia. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, crazy prediction time. Uh, you've been on the show many times, so you know how this works. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a crazy prediction and then ask you to comment on it. And uh, after you rip apart my prediction to shreds, like I think you have every other time, I'll ask you to, to give me a crazy prediction of your own. Okay. You ready? My crazy prediction is that in 2019, Mr. Todd Frazier wins the Comeback Player of the Year award. So tell me, how crazy is that? I think that's impossible. Woohoo! I think I am labeled crazy. Well, no, it's not because he was really lousy last year. Yeah. It'd be impossible for Brandon Nimmo to win Comeback Player of the Year. That's true. That's true. I'll give him that. But what is Todd Frazier at his very best? 20, hit 40. 25 home runs and a good He hit blow? 40 home runs twice, didn't he? Yeah, in Cincinnati. He's not going to hit 40 home runs at City Field. But what if he hits 35 in City Field? To me, comeback player of the year is going to be more like somebody like, I don't think he's healthy enough, but somebody like a Johnny Cueto. Like some pitcher that fell off the face of the earth who's not done yet. Uh, you know, I, I certainly don't disagree uh, with that, but uh, I think that uh, all of the ingredients are, are, are there for Frazier to do it. And, and you know, you hear talk about, well, maybe Jeff Medina will win the, the job outright. You know, it seems everybody's counting him out, and maybe that's the guy who gets I mean, the, if, the leg if, up. Uh, what if Bumgarner gets traded to, like, the Yankees, God forbid, and wins 25 games? That's another, you know... <laughs> Bumgarner certainly, I, I think if uh, Vegas put uh, odds on this sort of thing, he would certainly be uh, among the front runners. So, I mean, that, I think that's an excellent uh, excellent choice right there for, for you gamblers out there. Yeah. Okay, my crazy prediction, you ready? 
I well, I'm just basking in the glow of you finally didn't <laughs> poo-poo one of my 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 things. Let me let me bask in this just one second longer. Right. <sighs> All right, shoot. What's your crazy prediction? We're gonna sign Andrew Miller by Friday. Gonna sign Miller by Friday. Well, you were talking earlier that he had all of the uh, offers in front of him. I was I was unaware of that, uh, so I guess it, it wouldn't be a, a huge surprise um, if either he signed by Friday or if he signed with the Mets. So, I'm I'm afraid the roles are reversed this time. the 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 host had a crazy prediction, and the guest, I'm I'm not going to say that's crazy. Okay, very good. It, it's upside down day. Well, you know, I'm 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 fighting a little bit of something, so maybe I'm just delirious, and and none of this has actually happened. <laughs> Good cold medicine. So, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm 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 flying off in la la land over something. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, I I used to dream of uh, pretty girls saying yes, and and now I dream of my crazy prediction being viewed as crazy. Life so changes it, it, life changes as we as we get older, indeed. All right, well let let's get back, uh, get out of fantasy land, and and talk about the 2018 Cy Young Award winner. Can't say that enough, can Jacob we? Jacob Degrom. Jacob Degrom. What will Jacob Degrom do for an encore in 2019? Um, he's going to pitch 200 plus innings again. His ERA is going to be very good, but it's not going to be in the Greg Maddox Oral Hershiser zone that it was in this past year. It's going to be more like a reasonable 2.3, 2.4, somewhere in there. Um, he's going to have 200-plus strikeouts, but he's going to get some more run support this year and some better defense behind him, and he's going to win 18 games. All right, so if if DeGrom has a sub-2.5 ERA, which it sounds like you think that he will, yep. and, and he wins 18 games, wouldn't that make him – at least in the discussion for for another Cy Young award. Yes, it would. And I don't have the the list in front of me, but uh, it it couldn't have been done too many times in the last twenty or thirty years where a guy won back to back. That's happened a few times. Greg Maddox, Randy Johnson. It's been done a few times. Pedro did it. Um, yeah, it's been done a few times. Seaver never did it back to back, right? Nope, he won it in 69, 73, and 75. I think he should have had five when you look back at his numbers, but hey. Well, 71 was the tough one because that was his best year, but uh, it, it's kind of hard uh, not that to... One, that one for sure, but the, the other one that always got my goat was when he was with Cincinnati, the strike year. He had phenomenal numbers, but they favored wins too much back then, and then, you know there was Fernando Mania... But I always thought he was the best pitcher in baseball that year. I'm uh, I'm pulling up uh, NL Cy Young Award winners, so let's uh, throw me a year at random, and we'll go back to then. Any year at random? Mm-hmm. 1980, you say? All right, we'll go back 19, to 1980. 81 was the year, I believe, of the baseball strike when he lost Indeed. out to Fernando. And Fernando won in 81. I'm just looking for back-to-back. So, um... Do, 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 do. Um, we got... Uh, we got Maddox, who won it 92, 93, 94, and 95. Yep. yep. And then we had Randy Johnson, who won yep. it in 99, 2000, 2001, and 2002. I believe so we Pedro, had, I, did, I think Pedro did a back-to-back. Yeah, I'm, I'm not looking in the inferior league. I'm just looking ah, in the okay. National League. 
and then Tin Lincecum. Yeah, didn't think we didn't. Neither one of us oh, came yeah. up with Lincecum. He won it in 2008, 2009, and Kershaw, 2013, yeah. and Scherzer. Oh my God, it's happened a whole lot more times than I thought. All yeah. right, scratch that. It's not. It wouldn't be nearly as impressive as I thought, but still, it'd be kind of neat, and it's never been done in Mets history. No, it's never been done in Mets history, and somehow we still don't have an MVP. That's well, the craziest thing to me. We 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 should have in uh, in '88, but uh, what are you gonna do? All right, so let, let me strawberry or McReynolds. Strawberry. Um, let, let me let me ask you a, uh, a hypothetical. You have a choice. We just established that no Met has ever won the Cy Young Award back to back seasons. Would you rather have uh, Degrom um, achieve that feat, win the Cy Young Award, and the Mets miss the playoffs, or? Would you rather not have that, have the Mets make the playoffs, but like they did in, in 2016, one and done, lose the wild card game? Oh, that was rough. And if you remember, I was at that game. Um, that was really painful. Um, and I don't like this current format with the one and done thing. This isn't March Madness. I'm not a fan of that. And I hope with the next collective bargaining agreement or when that whenever that has to be discussed that they do away with that I'm not a fan um, I, I actually am all for the Mets going for the division win I don't like this wild card stuff um, but I think the Mets have a great advantage where they can put DeGrom on the mound for a one game playoff and I'll take our chances against anybody with him on the mound right now so can I have it both ways well, you were you were there, so you remember who started for the Mets. Syndergaard. And you remember what he did. Yep, he was fantastic, and Jerry's Familia gave up a home run to Connor Gillespie. So we could we could see the exact same scenario unfolding again here in 2000. And That's my concern 19. as of right now, and why I'm keeping my fingers crossed for Andrew Miller or someone similar is, all right, DeGrom, Syndergaard, whoever gives you seven good innings, where's the bridge to Diaz? Diaz is a one-inning pitcher, and that's where we're going to lose a lot of games if we don't get that piece. And I just don't think, as much as I, I love Seth Lugo and I think Robert Gazelman's going to bounce back and be good again, I don't trust either of them in that primary setup man role. Well, we are all out of time, Matt. Uh, I'd like to uh, thank you for uh, stopping by tonight and uh, talking about the Mets. And uh, any uh, any closing thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that no stupid trades happen, especially the ones that are being discussed with the Yankees. I don't Amen, want, brother. I, I don't want to give up half our team for Gary Sanchez or whatever. I'm not interested in watch some former Met win a World Series in pinstripes. No thanks. I will co-sign on that. All right, well, everyone, thanks so much for listening to us. And then uh, next week, look for us at our new time at uh, 9 o'clock on the Legend Sports Network. Good night, everyone, and goodbye.